Welcome to the Basketball Index Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor, and today we are redrafting, recapping, whatever you want to call it, the 2019 NBA Draft because... This is, this is what you call counter-programming when you program something. I, I remember we learned this in radio class where it was like, if the Super Bowl's on another channel, you play a Western movie where it's like, you're not going to be able to, like if you cover the Super Bowl, not as well as the Super Bowl that is happening on another channel, people are not going to tune in. So I can't cover the NBA draft because I don't know anything about the NBA draft. I don't really watch college basketball. It's for multiple reasons. The most important would be time, right? I can't know the NBA as well as I know it if I'm also watching college basketball because, you know, so many hours in the day type argument. And then on top of that, the tallest 19 year olds in the country just are like, I think who was it? Darren Fox said it this year. Where he's like, I don't watch a lot of college basketball. It's just bad. Like the tallest 19 year olds in the country versus NBA players. It's like a, it's a it's. You know, they play hard. That that part's fun. It's very passionate. There's a there's an energy to the game that is different because of the college campuses, but not not my bag, baby. And then also just professionally, if I covered college basketball, well, one, I, I, I just don't really want to. And then if I did, my coverage of the NBA would be worse. So what we're doing, long-winded intro, is we are redrafting and just sort of looking at the value of the 2019 NBA draft because the draft is tonight. Obviously, everyone's talking about Wemby, Scoot, all that. We are going to have draft uh, guests on next week to talk about those picks, you know, fill us in on those players because here's the thing. I could I, – this, this is a sports radio thing, right? What you do is you just pull up an article that somebody that, you know, is well-respected in the field or not, just maybe as a, a major outlet that they're on. You skim the article and then you you BS on a podcast or a radio station for like three hours, which I don't really want to do. I don't want to waste your time. But this is very interesting to me because the draft, we love to grade the draft. It's a very exciting time. You have young players kind of the sky's the limit but you need to have those players play for multiple years until you know actually like who is good from this class what the right picks were yada 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 so i like to look back four years in the past because the way rookie contracts work is the first round picks are four-year deals and then the second round picks are shorter deals but oftentimes the second round picks don't hit nearly as much so i like this because we can i don't know if i can say a hundred percent we can grade a draft class after four years, but like 75%, right? Because there are players that do get better after their fourth year. And then, you know, there's the occasional story where someone bounces around for like multiple years and then they have a breakout. That sure, that's that's great and that's dandy. But I would say for the most part, after four years, we should have a general kind of feel for how good players are. And the way we're gonna do that is we are going to look at career LeBron war. So LeBron is our flagship stat. The way that that works is it's how good you are on offense and defense per 100 possessions. And then, you, t- you know, you add those up, you get your total LeBron. The way LeBron war works is it's kind of like baseball, you know, baseball war where it, it just, it counts up. It's a, uh, it's like a similar, more to like a counting stat where like total points, you know, are accumulated where LeBron is per 100 possession. And LeBron wore your wins above replacement is uh, cumulative or it adds up. So we're going to look at LeBron war. 
We're going to look at the players that have just straight up the highest LeBron war out of out of anyone. And then I also wanted to hit on players that have above a five war just in the draft because like you're you're getting value. And again, drafting players for the long haul is what the NBA is about. It's about star power. And it's a little different than the NFL. The NFL is more focused on getting value on rookie deals because of the way the salary cap works. But I would argue it is still important to get like rookie value. Like you see with the Nuggets, they basically made a trade right after the finals to where they could get an extra second round pick because they wanted, you know, some cheaper possible talent on their roster to fill out over the next few years because they have four players on really large contracts. And then there's the new CBA. There's a new like tax apron thing. Like the way money is going to be kind of working in the NBA is going to change a little bit uh, moving forward in the next couple of years. So the rookie contract value is really, really important. So this draft, if you don't remember who was drafted in 2019, I mean, I'm going to hit the top names. At, at the top here of the of the round, and then we'll, we'll go deeper after that. But this is the Zion draft. And so it goes Zion at one, John Morant at two, RJ Barrett at three, DeAndre Hunter at four. He's on Atlanta. He's a wing, not as famous as the other guys. And then five, Darius Garland. So these are the top five picks. These, this, these are like the most popular names. These are the names everyone remembers the most. And let's look at their career LeBron war. And this is like right off the bat where it's interesting because out of this group and out of the entire draft class, it's not even close. John Morant has by far the most war. And I would argue, I mean, they're pretty close, Zion and John Morant. But so so it's, it's hard to conceptualize these numbers. But John Morant's about 23 wins above a replacement player so far in his career. And Zion is about 13. So John Morant's almost double. And obviously, we know Zion's missed a ton of time, and that's part of it. And war isn't the end-all, be-all in the NBA. What it is is really, really high-end talent you know, translating to the playoffs, obviously, I, I think we haven't seen a ton of Zion throughout his career in four seasons. You know, there hasn't been a ton of ball being played, but I think we would all pretty comfortably say when he does play, he would probably be an effective playoff player. But his value on his rookie deal, not great. Well, hold on. It actually, it is good, but it's not as good as you think it would be relative to how good he is, if that makes sense. And I'm just looking at it right now. He actually has the third highest war out of the draft class. So it's John Morant at one at about, we'll say, 23. And then after that, it's Darius Garland at two at 16. So there's a gap there. And then there's Zion at about 13. So John Morant's at the top. Then you go down a chunk, Darius Garland, then Zion. Then there's a couple players right after that. And then, like, it's it's hard to contribute at the NBA level. It's hard to hit on picks. Like, there's lots of guys that – I mean, there's some guys with not a lot – a few guys with negative war, um, a lot of guys with just zero war. And then majority of the players are below, like, five war. So to really get anything out of a draft pick is is really important, really big, and something you can kind of hang your hat on. And to get like huge impact, like a jaw is obviously that's the goal. But like we'll look at just some some middling players, I'd say, in the draft. So I'm going to go right outside the top 10. Uh, so 11th in this draft, Tyler Hero at about eight wins. Terrence Mann on the Clippers, about seven wins. 
RJ Barrett, about seven wins. Kobe White, six wins. Jordan Poole. So I just kind of want to get you like the feel of these players, like these kind of secondary players where like Tyler Hero is probably the best out of that bunch. But, you know, like Tyler Hero is going to have a long career, right? Terrence Mann, a good role player. RJ Barrett, interesting player in New York, obviously got a, a large contract extension last offseason. And he's like a pretty good player. But it's it's unclear how good he'll be. You know, Kobe White on the Bulls, uh, Jordan Poole, obviously everyone knows him because the Golden State Warriors had such a deep playoff run last year. But those are the types of players where like they're they're definitely giving you value, but they're kind of in the six seven uh, war range as Jaws like twenty three. And I know it's hard to conceptualize these kind of feelingly random numbers because we're not used to the scale. But it's sort of the difference between the star player and Jaw. And I would say contributing players. Uh, and I know these guys aren't all exactly in the same tier caliber player, but just wanted to talk about that. But let's talk about the the draft, how it went. So we had Zion at one. He's been pretty good, but he's missed a ton of time. He's actually been very good when he plays, but he's missed a, a ton of time. And then you have John Morant at two. He is, you know, I know he's had a lot of off the field issues, but he's been a, a bona fide star, like kind of knocking on the the, the door of superstar obviously the highlights really help with that but i think we're like one deep playoff run away from him you know maybe transcending into that superstar role rj barrett is a player that i'm not super high on we saw him in the playoffs have some ups and some downs and he's a player that's been okay i think as the number three pick you want more but realistically it's like you've gotten a player that's like contributed and has been helpful. He's like seven wins, right? Like I said earlier, where like that's some, if you're over five wins, like you're definitely helping your team. Uh, after that, DeAndre Hunter, he's on Atlanta. He is the uh, forward over there. I'm trying to think of like a way to describe him. I guess now people kind of look at him as like a defensive oriented player, but like all around kind of interesting toolsy, like athlete that's long. Uh, only three uh, career wins, uh, LeBron war. That's not great. That's not where you want to be. And then after that, Darius Garland at 16, uh, LeBron wars. I'm trying to think of the best way to say this wins above replacement, whatever it is. So Darius Garland's been very good. He's been, has he made an all-star team? He definitely should have. I think, did he make one last year? You can hear me typing on my very loud, uh, mechanical keyboard. If you don't have, you've never tried a mechanical keyboard it's very, very different. So like a laptop keyboard has those like little buttons that like you can't really tell if you've pressed in or not. And a mechanical keyboard, they're like kind of these big buttons that have like a tactile feel is the phrase that's used to describe them. If you've never used one, I would really give it a shot. They are, they're not super cheap, but they are really, really nice. And you're never like unsure if you hit the button down and they're just very, very, uh, I don't know, they just feel good to work on. Let's see. Darius Garland is an all-star. Yes, he was an all-star in the 2022 season. So that's our top five. Zion, Jaw, RJ, DeAndre Hunter, and Darius Garland. Pretty good hits at the top of this draft, to be honest. We're like, Zion is a star that's just missed a ton of time. Jaw is a star. I know there's some off-the-field issues now. RJ Barrett, I don't think will be a star, but he's a productive NBA player. Uh, DeAndre Hunter, he plays. And then Darius Garland is a, is an all-star. So the top five there, pretty strong. I feel like pretty pretty good hits there. I think that's what you want at the top of your draft. But 
I know you know people do the the, the redrafting thing or kind of looking back. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty. But I feel like the NBA teams got this like fairly right in this top five. And I know this Zion draft. It was kind of, like Zion was a, a pretty legendary prospect. Like I'd throw him in the category with. LeBron and probably Wemby, I would say, is the biggest guys in my life. Maybe after that, like maybe Anthony Davis at four. I'm not really sure, but the draft isn't really my thing. I kind of more come at the draft as the common person of like, well, what like what did what did you get out of these guys? What was like the the real world impact? Because once you like get into like the waist deepness of trying to tear out these prospects with just their college tape because the players improve so much year over year in college. It's really difficult. Like I, I tip my cap to the people that, that do it because it is very, very difficult. And then there's a lot of factors. There's the team you go to, there's the scheme you're in, there's your skills, there's the skills of your teammates that you need to fit around. Like it's really difficult, but I wanted to go a little deeper into the draft and talk about the big hits where like there's been a lot of value. So Cam Johnson at 11, he is now on the Nets. He was formerly on the Suns. Uh, He was traded this year. He's provided a lot of value. He is at 11 for LeBron Wars. LeBron, I'm forgetting how to say this, Uh, 11 wins above replacement, which is really, really strong. That is one of the best – best results in the draft he's number five so just talking straight lebron war jaw at number one garland at two zion at three and then nick claxton at four and then cam johnson at five so that's the top five there and nick claxton obviously had a huge year this year was honestly defensive player of the year candidate in the first half of the season then the nets blew everything up Uh, And then after that, Cam Johnson is an interesting wing. He's a really good three-point shooter. He's had like, you know, like some solid team defender numbers. His D LeBron has been pretty good in seasons, but really, really strong shooter. He's actually a restricted free agent this year. Interested to see what kind of money he gets. But those are the top five producers in this draft. The next guy I want to talk about is Nick Claxton. He was a second round pick. He was the 31st overall pick. He's been the fourth most productive player in this draft. Not only is the production really good, but what he is, is he's a smaller center, but more like Bam. He's a mobile big. He's able to switch. He's able to play on the perimeter. He still does block quite a few shots. So you do have some rim protection with him, but his ability to guard on the perimeter, I think he had the number one perimeter isolation uh, grade among bigs this season. So that's a really, really valuable skill set. So to get that value in the second round is pretty crazy. There's actually a couple hits here in the second round, but that that is pretty darn good. So that's the top five. After that, Brandon Clark, he's a uh, power forward on Memphis. Really, really good athlete. Unfortunately, towards ACL this year, I'm interested to see what he comes back as because sometimes now that injury is much less severe than it used to be. But if you ever saw Brandon Clark play, like he was fighting gravity and winning sometimes. So I'm curious to see how that ACL heals up. Hopefully it doesn't even get back to where he was, but he was a productive player and then missing him and Steven Adams really decimated their, their bigs really for the line or for the playoffs. Like their lineups were uh, much more limited. And I think it'll help the Grizzlies obviously having him and Steven Adams back next year. So he was another guy that's a double-digit uh, wins above replacement. So there were six guys that double-digit wins above replacement. 
really big value. Brandon Clark already got his extension. So a lot of these players are are signed long-term. Obviously, Cam Johnson, a restricted free agent. But these were the biggest hits of the draft. He was the 21st pick. So again, there's value here. This is out of the lotto picks. This was a really good snatch by Memphis. After that, Daniel Gafford, he is center on the Washington Wizards. Uh, coming in a hair over nine wins above replacement. So another really good value pick, second rounder. He's actually a pretty good athlete himself. He was the 38th overall pick. So, you know, good value there. And then after that, just some names where you're like, oh, yeah, like I, these guys come up every once in a while. PJ Washington has provided pretty good value. He's a restricted free agent, kind of a stretch big four. Matisse Thibel, he's provided good value. He was the 20th pick. He's a all defensive, no offense player, but like really creates a ton of turnovers, has been one of the best defenders in the league the last two years. And is an interesting guy. He was on the Sixers. He got moved to the Blazers. He's that defensive specialist role, like really a weak offensive player, but is so good at defense. You can you can find playing time for him. In the playoffs, it gets a little trickier, but you know, the 20th overall pick to get that kind of value. He's been the ninth most valuable player in this draft. Where again, does Matisse Thibel have as much upside as the guys behind him, as Keldon Johnson, as Tyler Hero, as RJ Barrett? No, but the value he provided on that rookie deal is legit like that's real that is very helpful especially the type of player he is where you know signing defensive specialists on the free agent market you can oftentimes find good deals not always but to be able to draft that and have that under team control that was uh helpful for the sixers honestly just over the course of his career i know there's ups and downs when you follow him that specific player can be a little frustrating can be a little tricky with lineups but that type of value from the 20th pick really hard to argue with Another guy, Keldon Johnson, he is kind of one of the key pieces, hopefully, in the Spurs rebuild. He was the 29th overall pick. Again, a little over eight wins above replacement, pretty good value. And we've gone through the top 10 now. After that, Tyler Hero, and we've talked about him. Uh, R.J. Barrett, so R.J. Barrett's 13th in wins above replacement in this draft, which is you'd like it to be higher for the third overall pick, but you, you still are getting value similar to Kobe White, Jordan Poole. Isn't it interesting where like RJ Barrett, Kobe White, and Jordan Poole have all very, very similar just overall impact to the their teams, right? Not their LeBrons, but their LeBron war. Like this account's playing time, basically. And based on what market you're in, these are all fairly big market teams now. Obviously, Golden State didn't used to be, but I think we all could argue they are now. But if you were to rank RJ Barrett, Kobe White and Jordan Poole, I think depending on who you ask, you get different rankings. I don't really have an issue with that. But I think you would get wildly different kind of tiers that the players would be put in. And being on a successful team in Golden State really helped Jordan Poole. And he did play well, especially in that playoff run. Like he provided some real offensive juice. But, you know, you get knocked out, has a little bit of a down year, is rumored. I don't know if this has happened yet, but there's there's chatter on on Twitter that he's going to be traded for Chris Paul heading over to the Wizards. That would be interesting. But I, don't know, I just kind of wanted to, to stop and kind of think about when you are on, you know, New York, R.J. Barrett. It, it helps you the third overall pick, but you're also on a team in New York. That kind of helps your clout and kind of how you get ranked. I think you naturally just move up everyone's rankings a little bit more. But yeah, I just wanted to kind of hit on this 2019 draft. And again, 
just because you don't have a high war doesn't mean you'll ever like you doesn't mean you can't be a good player right there are players that do break out later and i'm looking at someone like rui hachimura he was the ninth pick in the draft he hasn't contributed a ton war wise hasn't provided a ton of value but this playoff round with the lakers played really well super hot shooting strong team defender interesting you know kind of piece in terms of his size and his strength he shot the three really well in the playoffs that's not really his game more of a mid-range shooter but he would say well he's 27th in in war so far where it's like that pick not loving it as a as a top 10 pick in the draft as a lotto pick and i get that but you also have to understand these players are still fairly young and there still is room for improvement but i feel like the the draft more so even than than our so because like arguments in the league you have you know you have team wins that can sort of help you like there was people that were like calling what the wizards had last year a big three and they had porzingis they had beal and they had kuzma and it looks like they're breaking that all up trading those guys away and then kuz will probably walk in free agency and it's that thing of like well you can call them a big three you can do that but you look at how many games the team won and like you look at the numbers of their three best players and you're like i mean there's a fair amount of points here but if you look at the three best players on any team there's going to be a fair amount of points and if you dig deeper into the numbers you're like i don't really know if i would call this a big three (laughs) like are these players all productive yes are they all probably slotted in a role one higher than they should be yes so yeah, i don't know I, I feel like in the regular nba there's frustrating arguments they can kind of be debated with numbers uh figures results the draft is much harder because it's all a bunch of individual players coming from teams where like team success doesn't matter in the same way and it can get murky and it's very difficult to have a high understanding of all these players like just the amount of time you would need to spend to scout out all these players prior to the draft is a full-time job. <laughs> like teams have multiple full-time scouts where it's just a, it's a, a very, very large undertaking. So a lot of the times we pick our winners and losers in drafts on draft night. And I know part of it is content creation. Part of it is sometimes you just really feel strongly about players. And I get that. But I like looking back at these drafts after the whole rookie contract is done four years in and just say, okay, who's been the most productive? Where have the biggest hits been? And try to figure out why. Because again, just looking at the second round picks, Nick Claxton, first pick of the second round, has provided huge value. He's been the fourth most impactful player in this draft class. Daniel Gafford, like I said, Cody Martin is just like a solid NBA player. He's on Charlotte now. He's got his brothers on the heat. Uh, Jalen Noel, where it's like this guy's been on the the Timberwolves. He can score some. He's going to be a free agent. Terrence Mann, he had a game in the playoffs. Terrence Mann had a, the Terrence Mann game. So there are hits in the second round to be had. Kind of highlighting those hits I think is important. But yeah, if you want to look more at this or look at a different draft class, really easy. Just get a basketball index membership. Head on over to the leaderboards tool. Just look up LeBron Moore, and then you can actually sort by uh, years of experience. So depending on what year you want to look at, just always go to four years or whatever. For this one, it'd be four years of experience. And then you know all these players will pop up. You can sort through it. You can look through. And yeah, that's pretty much it. There was definitely some late hits in this draft. You know, Jordan Poole was the 28th pick. 
Uh, Keldon Johnson was the 29th pick. Kevin Porter Jr. was the 30th pick. Like there's guys late in the draft that are impactful. And one of the reasons I like analytics that can kind of highlight like, okay, how impactful have these guys been exactly? Because, you know, that's really what we're trying to get to in the draft. That's the whole point, right? Draft high impact players, make your team better. But yeah, just wanted to dive into the career LeBron wins above replacement of the top draft class. Just recapping it. Uh, John Morant was the most valuable. I think that's pretty easy to, to kind of see. Darius Garland, second after that. Zion, third. Nick Claxton, four. Cam Johnson, five. So that's the top five. I think if I was going to redo this draft, I still would take Zion number one. I'm trying to think. But I'm looking at like what happened and what I would change. Where it's like, okay, I would still take Zion number one because when he does play, he's like an all-NBA player. I think you take John Morant second that still makes sense so the one and twos i'm on board with that i think the third pick i take darius garland just because i love his playmaking i think his shooting and his playmaking are pretty special and i know there's been like he had some some games where he struggled in the playoffs this year but then he also had some games where he played really well i think it's just one of those things he's still a pretty young player and i'm interested to see what he is in his prime like when he's 27 what will darius garland be because i think he'll be a pretty good player after that, I'm reaching all the way down. I'm grabbing Nick Claxton. I probably have him at four. And then who would I round out the fifth and final pick with? Hmm. I think it's probably between. It's probably between Cam Johnson. He was the 11th pick. Brandon Clark, he was the 21st pick. I think, oh, and then Tyler Hero, he was the 13th. I'd probably take Tyler Hero. That's probably how I'd round that out. I do like him quite a bit. I think his self-created ability to score is really valuable. His three-point shooting, not a great defender, but his floater strong, his mid-range game I like, and then his he's just a really good shooter, like high. I like drafting like high skill players because it's like, well, you know, backs against the wall, like this person still has a lot of skill. That probably will translate better than than others. Like if they get hurt, they're not going to be less skilled. <laughs> um, but yeah, just wanted to go through this draft class. I think this is always pretty fun. I'll, I think I'm going to like maybe – screenshot this and tweet it out so if you want to see it because obviously it's hard for me to get across like there's 60 names here i would like to go through every player but i know like if you're the best thing i ever heard was like hey just everyone that does podcasts if you just repeat yourself every once in a while sometimes i'm folding laundry and i missed what you said and then you don't say a player's name for like 10 minutes and i don't know what you're talking about i think that's my favorite like just random tweet i've ever read so i know i don't repeat myself probably enough but part of it is like, well, I don't want this to get boring and I don't want it to be like uh, lacking in content. So sometimes I feel like I'm going a little too fast, but I always try to remember that tweet. Um, but the the whole idea of this was who's been really, really good, who's provided a ton of value on that rookie deal. I think you could go through this and say like, just because you don't have a lot of LeBron war right now, doesn't mean you don't have ups. Like Grant Williams only has four wins above replacement for his career. He's the 22nd pick. He's going to be a restricted free agent. He's a good player. He's a good role player. He's a really good three and D wing. But part of it is like, he just didn't get a ton of playing time. If he was on a worse team, because he's been on Boston, if he was on a worse team, he would have more war because he would have played more. So it's not as simple as like, just line it up by the highest war and then take those guys because there are situations to where you kind of have to 
figure this out. Like Zion has missed so much time. That, that, that's the easy one. But the examples that we use at the top can sometimes contribute to maybe why certain players, you know, on your team or whatever, are maybe a little bit lower. And then sometimes just a cold dose of reality where it's like, well, a player on your team just really isn't that good. And sometimes I think we need that because there's an idea, especially when it's your team where it's like, oh, this is a draft pick. He's young. Give him time to develop. And then it's like, okay, well, it's your four. There's got to be some thing. Like you got to make some decisions here. Are you going to retain this guy? Is he going to get a raise? Like what's going on? Because I know we all want to give these young guys a chance. I get that. But you do need kind of that firm hand of like this is a business and like teams are really trying to win and the kind of league changes every three years. So like you you don't want to stay at the bottom trying to collect talent and develop guys for too long because at a certain point, like it's just not going to happen. Where like part of what makes like Bill Belichick probably the greatest coach ever, the greatest coach I've ever seen in football. Part of what makes him so good isn't that he every guy he picks turns out to be great. It's that he's faster at identifying that it's probably not going to work. And it's like, okay, move on to the next thing. Move on to the next thing. Move on to the next player. And that's that what analysts can kind of help us look at through. Like if it, we're four years in and you don't know about a player, it's like, mm, I'm not saying that they can't be good, but also I'm like, well, like maybe we got to move on. <laughs> like more often than not, you need to move on. And then those special situations like a Rui Hachimura, he's a really interesting free agent where like he could be a like a role player on a playoff team. We saw it this year. The Lakers were good. He was playing. They made a deep run and he was contributing. Like you can find these guys in free agency after these deals end and it's still unclear what they will be and what their ultimate value will be. But that's going to wrap it up. That's the 2019 draft class in review. I will post a a pick of this spreadsheet so everyone can kind of visualize it. If on Twitter, if you're not following me, follow me, I guess, (laughs) at Taylor Metrics. You know, just follow me for this. Just unfollow me right after. Uh, I won't mind. Uh, Just finding this picture will be easier. At Taylor Metrics. And uh, we will see you on the next episode of the Basketball Index Podcast.